Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This is episode number 1196 with Dr. Ramani Dervasula, part two. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Welcome back, my friend. We had such a massive response to our initial episode with Dr. Ramani Dervasala, and I wanted to unpack this even more. So we made this two parts. We dove in deeper. And if you didn't hear part one yet, check it out after this one. Dr. Ramani is a licensed clinical psychologist and a professor of psychology at California State University in Los Angeles. She's also the best-selling author of Don't You Know Who I Am? How to Stay Sane in the Era of Narcissism, Entitlement, and Incivility. Again, this is a topic that has truly fascinated me, so make sure to check out part one. You can go to the previous episode on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you're listening, or go to the link lewishouse.com slash 1195 to listen to that as well. In this episode, we discuss the biggest misconceptions about narcissists, the essential components of every healthy relationship, the red flags to watch out for in your own relationships, the difference between narcissistic personality disorder and narcissistic personality traits, the key to loving yourself in a more fulfilling way, how to create boundaries with a narcissist, and this is fascinating, and so many more things. Again, if you're finding value out of this and at any moment, make sure to share this link with friends, family, post it on social media. I had a woman reach out to me and say, wow, I sent this to my mother and I realized I'm starting to heal so much because my father was a narcissist and I wasn't even aware of it until I can listen to this episode now and really unpack a lot of this. So I'm assuming someone in your life was or is a narcissist and hopefully this will support you in navigating it so you don't feel drained, you don't feel like you're lost in this relationship and confused anymore. So hopefully this gives you some clarity and some peace of mind. And a quick reminder, if this is your first time here, we'd love for you to click subscribe over on Apple Podcast right now or on Spotify and leave us your feedback. Leave us your thoughts on how this influenced and impacted you by leaving a review at the end of this episode. And I want to give a shout out to the fan of the week from Nick Chelson, who said, one of my new favorites. I just started listening to the School of Greatness this week, and it's already one of my new favorites. Lewis has a great variety of guests and asks great questions. 10 out of 10, I would recommend. So Nick, thank you for being the fan of the week. And again, if you guys want a chance to be shouted out on the podcast as a fan of the week, then leave us a review over on Apple Podcast right now. Okay, excited about this one. In just a moment, the one and only Dr. Ramani Dervasula. What's the biggest misconceptions about a narcissist? Then? That they love themselves. They don't love themselves? Oh, hell no. It's self-loathing. This is a disorder of self-loathing. All that inadequacy and ugly insecurity, they hate themselves but then they put it on other people project it onto other people you're a horrible lying disgusting person you make me sick oh my god they're talking about themselves oh my gosh sometimes you just want to give them a hug so narcissists are miserable they're miserable miserable 
miserable. It's awful. It's a, I actually say that the compassion we can find in ourselves is people are like, I want to get revenge on them. I say, you don't have to. They have to keep being them. They have to live with it. The universe wins on that one. Like wow. they have to keep being them. It is a imagine every day you're comparing yourself to everyone. You're thinking they have that and they have that. How come I don't have this and how come this? And they're constantly anxious. They're constantly angry. They constantly feel like a victim. They feel like everyone is out to get wow. them. That's a very difficult way to live. Their nervous system must be always heightened too. Kind of, kind of. Yeah, different than their psychopathic cousins. There, obviously. Who doesn't feel it? Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but narcissists really, really, um, it's in a very uncomfortable way to live because you always feel like, they always feel like they're getting the short end of the stick. And so what are the signs then if you're a kid and you've thought one thing about your parents, but all of a sudden you're starting to see like, oh, maybe they might have a parent who's narcissistic. What would you be, what would you say are the main signs if a parent for a kid would be narcissistic? I, I don't think, a, I, when you, let's say a child is anyone under 13. I yes. don't even think kids start understanding that their parents are messed up until they're around middle school or high mm -hmm. school. Um, selfishness, um, inattentive, real inattentiveness. Dismissiveness. Uh, dismissiveness. Oh, um, uh, devaluation of their emotions, shaming them, humiliating mm. them, wow. expecting them to be like them. Um, devaluing them if they don't excel at the things they want. What do you mean you don't want to go to Harvard? Or like, ugh, you want to go to that college? Like any kind of contemptuous dismissiveness of their children, that's all narcissistic parent behavior. Wow. Rage, rage is a big one. And I think that's probably the one my clients have brought Anger. Across. Anger, but rage. Like that, walking on eggshells. If, if anyone says to me, I felt like I was always walking on eggshells around my parent, probably dealing with an antagonistic, like a narcissistic parent. Yeah, I think I was telling you beforehand, I was I felt that for a part of my life and then mm -hmm. things started to shift. But I've definitely walked in eggshells for mm -hmm. many relationships mm -hmm. in the past, yeah, which yeah. makes me be like, why did I uh, jump into different relationships where I felt that way? Which maybe I hadn't learned to heal the past yet or I hadn't learned to... Um, but you didn't jump into a relationship I didn't feel that in the beginning. Eggshells. You didn't feel it at the beginning. But it was like 6 to 12 months later then when I was justified. like... Then I justify, oh, let's just get back to where it was. One of the great, your, well, I would say your greatest vulnerability, quite oh, frankly, yeah, to narcissistic relationships is your history as an athlete. Okay. Athletes are actually at not only great risk of being narcissistic, mm. but for falling for narcissists. Why is that? And a lot of that is because for any gifted athlete, mm -hmm. all you needed to do was work harder. Mm -hmm. You just had to go to the gym or had to run or do whatever, whatever it was you needed to do. It just meant more reps. Yes. There was always a way to make it better. You're going to, you're going to do the Sunday workout. You're going to go to the gym at four in the morning. Five, that's it. Right. Yeah, that's and what so I did. the more in you, you had this better. belief, you were, you got better and you were in control. Mm -hmm. So the belief is you could extend that to anyone. I just got to talk, talk to them harder. I'm going to, I'm going to be more clear. I'm going to make loving, this work. More present, I'm going to be more, more loving. Giving. Everything becomes a workout. Oh my gosh, this is what I did in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In every it relationship for the last 10 out. years. And I remember just being like, it would never felt enough. Mm -mm. And That's it was always draining correct. to give, it was never enough what right. I gave. There was always something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. There was always something to pick at. Yep. And they never wanted to go to therapy with me. Mm -hmm. I was, it was funny because I was like, what man, you know, I don't want to generalize, but I was like, I'm a guy who wants to go to therapy mm -hmm. and, and get feedback from my, like, I'm not perfect. Give mm -hmm. me feedback. Tell right. me how to improve because I'm an athlete. Right? I'm like, I want to improve. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they never wanted to. I was just right. like, I, I, I think women would kill for this, you know, for a guy who wanted to go to therapy mm -hmm. with them. Not a narcissistic woman. Oh, my gosh. But that idea of surrender is kind of actually the opposite of what an athlete is conditioned to become, right? And that's really the core of the narcissistic relationship. It's a sense of surrender. 
I'm not engaging with this. Mm. I'm not doing this. It doesn't work. And then you just fold it and step away. No, it was more like, I want to make this work. Exactly. What can I do to and make it better? How can I improve? Way. Tell me what I can do. Mm -hmm. I'm here. I'll support. Mm -hmm. I'll do this. And then it just it drains your energy. Mm -hmm. Athletes, entrepreneurs are at oh risk. Anyone who's a doer and it's worked for them, they're screwed. It wasn't until I really started lifting the veil, as my therapist talks about, is like I started to really realize, like, okay, I don't need to keep working, working, working. You mm -hmm. talked about this in one of your recent videos, like the marriage and the relationships should be hard work is mm -hmm. kind of the narrative. Mm -hmm. And when I realized like it shouldn't feel like it should feel like commitment and that there's attention mm -hmm. and presence. Mm -hmm. But it shouldn't feel like this draining hard work. No, no. It otherwise, really otherwise I'd rather be no. single if that's the way it is. It's exactly, like, and I think that that, and I have to tell you, a lot of people have had a lot of harm done to them in therapy, where therapists say to them, well, "It's hard work. Relationships are hard work." No, 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 no. It's not. I mean, yeah, maybe having to say no, like having to sit through a football game you don't want to watch. I don't know that that's hard work, like because they a, sat and watch your French film with you. It's just an uncomfortable like, moment. Oh, I'm just yeah. gonna read my book while you yeah. watch your football game. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. No, it's we're good. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I can show up for a few That's hours. That's not hard work. Yeah. Hard, you know, if, and the other person's kind, right? Again, every healthy relationship, every healthy relationship has the same core ingredients. Kindness, compassion, patience, mutuality of regard, reciprocity, mm -hmm. um, respect. Yeah. Every, 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 yeah. every single one. And as long as you got that flexibility, flexibility, yeah. no narcissistic relationship has even one of those ingredients. So that's why they don't work. They don't work. So yeah, they're always going to be hard work oh because you have not one of the essential ingredients. Like you're trying to make a bake a cake without flour, eggs, or sugar. Good luck with that. How do you know when you're entering a new relationship if the person is not a narcissist? Mm -hmm. Like maybe you've been in a narcissistic relationship, or your parent was, or whatever mm -hmm. it is, and you have some PTS from mm -hmm. those experiences mm -hmm. and you feel like well i'm supposed to be walking in eggshells but i don't need to it's kind of healthy yeah. like is mm -hmm. the shoe gonna drop like when you know the person isn't a narcissist mm -hmm. how long does that take to find out about the same amount of time it takes to discover that they are in the sense that the difference is narcissists actually have, there's red flags right okay. i call these green flags green flags mm. mean go and green flags are things like watch the person Watch how the person behaves under conditions of stress. So let's say that uh, you're running late to the airport. Great, that's a great example of a stress, right? How are they acting? And are they, you know, they're saying, oh, I'm a little worried about this, but we're gonna make it work and listen, what's the worst that's gonna happen? We'll get rebooked and they're calm and like, you know, listen, I'm just glad to be here with you. Like, we'll figure it out. To so make the most we'll of the moment. To, yeah, we'll go to an airport hotel if we have to, yeah, but yeah. we're gonna be fine. A narcissist when they're running late to the airport. Oh, oh no, 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 no. What happens? So, and it just—it's just. It's just I, it's I'm chaos not going to curse, and right? Exhausting. But it's chaos, stress, accusations. This is your fault. Oh my Entitlement. Gosh. Let me speak to the manager. Get me on that plane. Get that plane back to the gate. Oh my like gosh. that kind. That's the narcissist, right? Whereas with the um, with somebody, you watch them, and that doesn't have to be something as dramatic as the airport. It could be even something like, "Hey, I noticed you've been working late. How about I make some dinner?" So it's the noticing, it's the presence, it's the mindfulness, it's the willingness to be flexible and make compromise when it's needed, um, to meet you halfway, to listen to you, and more than anything, is to also see the growth potential in you. So not to be threatened by your own success. So if you go up to this person and you're like, "Hey, you know what? I got this totally." cool new opportunity 
and the healthy person says, that is amazing. You have worked your whole life. I saw this in you. What oh can we gosh. do to make this work for you? Whereas everybody else, and not just narcissists, but insecure people will say, oh, I guess that's just going to mean more time away and oh you're going to be traveling gosh. a lot. And there's going to be a lot of women on the road. And you're like, oh my gosh, they just got the job of their dreams. Oh my well, gosh, and that's, bringing back so many memories yeah, to me. That's the key. And I'm a big believer that... You know, there's actually something in, we're, I'm going a little off topic, but you're an off topic guy. It's you great. can handle it. I love it. it. There's something called the Michelangelo phenomenon. One person in the relationship sees the absolute potential in the other in such a way that they say, what do we need to do to get you to, get you to your dream? Like, do we need to, should we, like, should we take a second on the house? Should we cut back you know do should we move closer in like because i see or or you know what it can be simple as simple as they eat a cake that their partner made and said okay this is the best cake i've ever had have you ever thought of making this into a business or a partner of yours might have said you ask the most amazing questions you need a podcast yeah, yeah. like it's seeing that something bigger in the person that's a good thing. That's, that's, that's the Michelangelo phenomenon. That's okay. everything. That's a good thing. It's the best thing. And very few relationships get that. Because what you've got to do is that person who's saying, go be your best you, is secure enough to say, I'm not going to lose you. Right, right. Like, I see all the good in you. Yeah. And that... And I want the best for you. And I want the best for you. And I believe in you. And I'm here with you. And, and that might even mean the person encouraging you might have to make sacrifice. Things like... You know, I know that you're going to have to go take this course for six months and I may not see you. And that's okay because this mm -hmm. is our future together. That's the Michelangelo phenomenon. This Never, is, ever what's the happened. What's the opposite Narcissistic of relationship. In, in the previous, I would say, uh, 10 years of my relationships, I think I was just really good at choosing uh, <laughs> specific people because I was always like, I always saw the masterpiece. Mm -hmm. I, said, I said, you're a masterpiece and I can see what's possible mm -hmm. for you with all these skills and gifts. But there was like some insecurities with some of them, not all mm -hmm. of them. And they never were able to see it within themselves. Mm -hmm. they, right. they weren't able to see it. And then I remember when I would accomplish something big in some of these mm -hmm. relationships, not all of them, it was almost like they would get depressed or sad and say, oh, and then make it about what they're lacking, and what they don't have, and wanting mm -hmm. to put their intention back on them. I remember I, I got an email for a year. I was training to become... Uh, to make the uh, USA national team was mm -hmm. a dream of mine. To mm -hmm. go to the Olympics and make the USA national mm -hmm. team for a sport called team handball, mm. which is a big sport mm -hmm. in Europe, not that big in USA. And I remember getting an email and literally almost in tears that I was selected for the USA team. And it was just like a dream for, uh, for a couple of years of a journey, this was 10 years ago. And I remember I, I showed my girlfriend at the time, I go, I just got called up on the national team. And I'm like getting kind of emotional, just chills now back in that moment. And she didn't congratulate me. She just kind of went back into, God, I wish I was doing what I wanted to do. And I wish there was this. And I was just like, what? Bingo. Right there. Just, okay, well, yeah, let me come back and help you. I kind of put my attention back on like, uh -huh. you know, you're going to get these things going. And, you know, I'm here for you. But it's like this diminishing. I had this happen at one of my big events one time. I host this annual event called the Summit of Greatness. And uh, a relationship out of the time made it all about them at the event, that I wasn't there for them because the attention was on me and people were coming up to me and I was like, this is something I've been working all year to host. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I said, you know what, let me pause in my event for two hours to give the attention to this person. And I, and I was always trying to see the masterpiece. Mm -hmm. But it's mm -hmm. like, I don't know, 
I'm like, you're having so many realizations from me. <laughs> right, yeah, I mean, but that's the idea that that ego, and it's interesting, not everyone who's not capable of this sort of Michelangelo phenomenon in a relationship is a narcissist by any stretch. Right. They may just have more of the low-grade insecurity that so many gotcha. people are plagued by, right? Gotcha. So just insecure. All insecurity doesn't mean narcissism, yeah. right? Insecurity paired with all this entitlement and lack of empathy and all of that is the problem. Mm -hmm. And so... It's so unfortunate because it is there then you again, it's talking about self-actualization for the individual. I think there can even be actualization in relationships where two people, like they really see, they see the greatness in each other. It can't just be you the only one seeing the masterpiece. They have to see the masterpiece in you. What? Because <laughs> it's just draining. Yeah. If it's, it's just yeah. one person, mm -hmm. right? It's also a mirror that's not reflecting back at you. Uh, so what I'm hearing you say, the ultimate experiment in a relationship is when both parties are seeing the masterpiece mm -hmm. in each other mm -hmm. and are supportive mm -hmm. of each other. Mm -hmm. And when one is succeeding, uh, a person I'm with right now, she's incredible. She's just uh, a walking success. Everything mm -hmm. she does is just mm -hmm. successful. I'm so happy for her. Right. I want her to succeed. I'm like, this is amazing. Let's celebrate you. Mm -hmm. And she's happy for you. She's happy for me. Bingo. That's, it and has to be a two-way street. She admires the work I'm doing. Mm -hmm. She admires the mission we're on to help people. And uh, she's like, what can I do to support you? Mm -hmm. It feels interesting. I mean, it feels beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is beautiful. I mean, and that's the key, though, because that ability to sort of co, like, you know, again, to have that, that, um, that co-located growth, that Michelangelo, yes. if you will. You, you're, in essence, you're, you're realizing the statue from the raw piece of marble every day, and you're both sculpting that for oh the gosh. other. Oh, my gosh. But that, that's, again, no narcissistic relationship is like that. And with a narcissistic relationship, it's really the them show. Like everyone is just sort of in the audience watching them and celebrating them. They can, so they can be the only great one in a relationship. Really? Mm -hmm. Is it possible that two narcissists would be in a relationship together? I actually love when that happens because it kind of gets <laughs> a lot of water miserable. supply for everybody else. Oh my God. Because <laughs> they're both you miserable with you. each other. They're like they're perfect not, for each other. Here's what it is. They're very volatile relationships. Oh they're gosh. very superficial relationships. Uh, a lot of people who are power couples, that's sometimes what you're mm. seeing. Like this kind of, they're all about the, they're only about the aspiration. They're not about the empathy. But in any relationship of two narcissists, as soon as somebody doesn't stay in their lane. So let's say one classical trope of two narcissists in a relationship. Very, one partner, very wealthy, very powerful, very successful. The other one, very beautiful, looks good, goes places with this one, looks good with them. It, it all looks good together, they compliment right? compliment each other. They, ish, compliment's a strong word. The first time this one, though, might look someplace else, because this one's a narcissist person, this person, the powerful one, it's narcissistic, may notice someone else, this person's gonna blow up because uh, they're they're doing their beautiful thing full time. And they're like, how can someone be more beautiful? If you're not looking at me? me obsessive, then you're not giving me so, all the attention. Lots of jealousy, lots of volatility, lots of me, 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 me <laughs> lots of egocentricity, lots of on social media, it's like, I'm so blessed, hashtag love my person, hashtag best relationship ever. Um, I mean, I, I laugh when I see that because I'm like, ooh, yeah, there we go. You wow. know, another narciss super narcissistic relationship where it's all about advertising the relationship, mm. but it's very superficial, very volatile, no empathy. There's no depth to the intimacy. It's almost transactional that that's what happens when two narcissists get together. I honestly would be fine with all the narcissists pairing up like Noah's Ark, as long as none of them have kids. Because mm. that's a real, your kids are a real messed. number on the kids. You're messed. Yeah. You're traumatized. 
it's a really empty way to grow up. Those kids that grow up either they either become incredibly anxious as adults or oh they become God. narcissistic as adults. It's oh not my. a good it's not a good look. I don't know if I'm inspired by this conversation You're or depressed. depressed. Yeah. How many what's the percentage? <laughs> how many uh, what's the percentage of people in the world who are narcissists? Do we have that even? Okay, number? so here's here's where it gets interesting. So let's let's start with something we haven't talked about yet. So give me a way to talk yeah. about this. A lot of people use the word narcissistic, or the term narcissistic personality disorder. I actually think it's phenomenal that you haven't been using it because it's a mistake to use that languaging. And I'll tell you why. Narcissistic personality, personality disorder. disorder. Okay. And PD. So, so lots of people out there will say, oh, I'm in this relationship or I've got this boss and they have narcissistic personality disorder. I'm always like, slow down, sister. Okay. Because narcissistic personality disorder, like all diagnoses, require a full workup, a lengthy mm -hmm. clinical interview. Mm -hmm. It even takes me, I, I'm going to be honest with you, if I have a client in my office, it usually takes me four to six sessions to be confident that that's what I'm dealing if with, they, with a disorder. Because you could have narcissistic personality traits. Correct. And it's different than it's a very disorder. Different. And it gets into the weeds in terms it's, of diagnostic stuff you don't want to get. It could be like good. more like when I'm triggered, I mm. have narcissistic it's, traits it's as opposed to... It's okay. more complex than that because okay. it's that in order to give someone a diagnosis in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, uh -huh. the DSM. One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So listen, we all know life is full of yada yada, like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print. And I know you've dealt with yada yada before, like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all. Or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else. And yes, it is possible to outsmart yada yada, like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too. Too. in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. In order to give someone a diagnosis, that person who is showing the symptoms has to either be uncomfortable themselves, like mm -hmm. what we call it subjective distress, so like depressed people. Are like, they're like, 
I'm miserable. I can't, I'm miserable. I'm sad all the time. I can't get out of bed. That's subjective distress. Or they have to have something called social and occupational impairment, meaning that the symptoms are getting in the way of their lives in a way that they're aware of, right? It's causing problems for them. Where this gets dicey with narcissistic personality is that, first of all, a lot of narcissists are on top of the world. They think their lives are great. They walk Nothing's around saying, like, I'm, I'm the one, I'm the guy, I'm, right. I'm, you know, it's I'm working number one, for me. I'm the best, look how great I've I am. I've got money, right? I've got success, I've got the girl, yeah. whatever it is, it's working for so me. So everything's working for them. So that's Nothing's no subjective distress. No. Yeah. Social and occupational impairment. Now, in some cases, they may be having trouble at work, and then, yeah, sure, they'll meet that criterion. But for a lot of folks just walking around in the street, they're making they're making bank at work. Mm -hmm. They got they got a partner and a, a side piece. Like everything's working out for them, so they don't even think they're having that impairment. But what they're doing is they're blowing up other people's lives. Oh yeah. We as therapists cannot issue a diagnosis of social. We can't say that they have social and occupational impairment because they're someone else is bothered by them. Make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It has to be. In the, um, it has to be that the person is saying, oh, I'm, not, I'm not going to work on time or I got a DUI. Those are examples of social and occupational impairment or behavioral impairment. I personally think they need to get rid of the diagnosis. I think it's worth nothing. It's a diagnosis with no treatment. So why would you have a disease that you can't treat? There's right. no point to that. So let's, it's okay. So now let's go to the numbers because the, the epi epidemiological studies are studies that tell us the number of people or the percentage of people who have a, um, a given mental illness, a okay. given disorder. Gotcha. So the epidemiology statistics on narcissistic personality disorder put the rate somewhere between 1 and 6%, okay? That's so people who are diagnosed, diagnosed with a disorder. With this. Okay, so they've gone into most, research studies. But most people aren't diagnosed because they would right. never come in and do these right. sessions and... So the, so million, you, the million dollar question. What do you, how, how many, many do you think you know, it is? I, this is my number. This is the Dr. Romani number. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm going with 20 to 25%. Oh, of the world or of, of like of, of the US world. or? The world. One 20? in five to one in four. You think and, it's and narcissistic? So one in five is probably, and I'm saying adults. Let's take the kids yeah, yeah, yeah. out. Okay. So 18 and above, 20%. <laughs> That would make it one in five. And I would tell you in a major metro like LA, I'm going to 25%. I think yeah. that just the pressures the of the New city, York especially LA, yeah. New York, LA, LA Miami, being an entertainment yeah. city, um, the nature that sort of the, the it's a company town and the business of the town is very superficial and mm -hmm. very validation seeking. So I'd say 25% here. So that's one in five. So buddy, if you know five people, one, one of them's them. narcissistic. When do you know someone is not a narcissist? What are the, the qualities that they possess the Again, real qualities. It's, it's, it's empathy, empathy, kindness, respect, mm -hmm. flexibility, self-awareness, um, the capacity to reflect on their impact on other people, um, uh, emotional regulation, managing, uh, this is more of the emotional regulation, like managing negative states like frustration and disappointment, um, genuine curiosity about others, setting goals from an internal space rather than what they think the world expects of them. That's having a beautiful a one, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. strong, having a strong sense of identity, um, a sense of who they are, having a, a, having a solid sense of values, um, a conscientiousness, agreeableness. These mm. are the things that make a person not narcissistic. It's nice to be around those two people. Oh, they're so good. And I, I'm, I feel blessed. I have, I have a fair number of those in my life. I feel like I but I'm too, yeah. very careful. Like I curate my world the way some people curate their closets. Like 
I don't. I and I've made the mistake because recently this year I've let more than a few in. So it happens. You've like, let I, narcissistic friends people in. in. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm getting. You know, and I got to tell you, it just means that people who've been through what's called narcissistic abuse or all the negative psychological impacts of being in a narcissistic relationship. One thing I work with people on is just narrowing their social world. Like it's it's unfortunately at one in five. What are the odds, right? Mm-hmm. They're pretty darn good. You date five people. One of them. And depending on what swimming pool you're pulling these people out of, it could be one in three. So even you, you've attracted people in your life. 100%. And I know what my vulnerabilities are. I'm very aware of it. My my personal vulnerabilities are things like a... um, I devalue myself. I feel like I'm not enough. Really? I um, pity people kind of easily. Mm. And so narcissists actually are pitiful people. Mm. And that pity can sometimes drive me to say maybe I should try harder. Uh. So at this point in my life, I'm closed off in a way that actually sometimes makes me feel guilty. And I'm like, yeah, that, if, that's, if that's the price of poker, I, I'm good. Like I don't, I, I've been through too, much, too many times at this rodeo that I don't want to do it. So it's definitely... My own lack of um, valuing of myself is what's made me vulnerable to narcissists. If I boiled it down to one simple thing is that I feel like I'm not good enough. Really? Because I feel like I'm not good enough. I let those kinds of people in. So what I found, unfortunately, is that it's just better off to close the gates. And, um, and, and not, so let it's, it's really, not let anyone in. Unfortunately, yeah. That's kind of the downstream effect. Or, I mean, would you say the greatest defense against attracting narcissism is to fully love yourself? It's to fully love yourself, to be deeply authentic. I consider myself authentic-ish, authentic adjacent, but I know I've got a ways to go because I still struggle with the monkey on my back of feeling like I'm I'm not enough kind of really? thing. Really? Yeah, mm-hmm. and I know that. And that's my work on my in my own yeah. therapy on that consistently. And, um, but it's a, I know where my barriers are. So anything that pings that, it's, it's great, it's interesting, I've got, my staff is fantastic. I mean, and they're much younger than me. This is what's, what's so re- remarkable about it. They actually act like guard dogs. That's great. They're like, we feel like one's coming. No. Mm. And I'll be like, I kind of feel bad for them. I'm like, good for you. Go feel bad in another room. We're not letting them in. So they're, they're, they're I mean, they're, these two are gangster. I mean, they're the two most <laughs> amazing great. young women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's the key to learning how to love ourselves fully mm-hmm. so that we don't so then when we see someone coming in, we just say, nah, we're okay. We don't need to let you into our life. So let's go back to the Carl Rogers, the humanist I was talking yes. about before. It's to lift the conditions of worth from our lives. That we are lovable and cherishable simply because we are. I mean, we could get totally into a different conversation about we're all made of energy. Who judges energy, right? Like, you know, we're all lovable because we're the stuff of life you know where and that makes us beautiful and lovable we're, and so it's who said this it, Carl Rogers talks about conditions of worth Dr. Romney says and many others I do believe say we're energy like who judges energy it's like judging the sun I guess mm. we do like we wear sunscreen you're right 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 <laughs> but you know what I mean like it's a these conditions of worth like uh, whatever people say to themselves, I'm not attractive enough, I'm not smart enough, not I'm not rich enough, yeah, yeah. enough, I'm not accomplished enough, I'm not this enough, I'm not that enough, That those conditions of worth, if I'm, I would be lovable if. Mm. As soon as you put love and if in the same sentence, you're screwed. Wow. So it's very much like dropping all that and saying you're lovable because you are. Everyone is lovable. Everyone is cherishable. All of us, not because somebody's more beautiful or somebody's more famous or somebody's more attractive. It's not, or, or rich or something like that. But it's hard because we're given the message of 
you're better if you look this way, act mm-hmm. this way, do this way, live here, drive this. It's, it's a lot to break out of. And so I think that, um, and those narratives even go deeper than materialism. It's almost like as a kid, many kids were, were taught, were, they almost felt like you grow up with a parent who's not attentive in any way or not interested of, well, I'm not, they're not paying attention because I'm not interesting. Enough. I'm not enough. And I get attention when I excel in something that they like. Mm-hmm. And so let me do more of that oh, to get more attention. Exactly. And if exactly. I lose at that, then they're yeah. not going to love mm-hmm. me. Yeah. That's exactly right. Oh, so wow. it all becomes like people think like if I do these things, then I can be loved rather than you're just lovable. And so that's the um, that, that's where people, most people lose the plot. And, and I think the other piece, those people don't understand narcissism. I think that a lot of people say, oh, come on, now everyone can change, or some, uh, just they, I, I just got to get to know them better, or they don't wow. really mean that. We enable it, we justify it, but if people really got to learn, like, no, nah, that's un- unacceptable. That tantrum they just threw, not okay. That, that, that entitled behavior, not okay. I, and honestly, get to the point mm. where I don't care why they're behaving like this, they're behaving like this. So how do you create boundaries with the narcissist? It's not easy. I mean, I think that the nar- narcissistic people, the, the key with a narcissistic person is to detect it early, set boundaries early, because then they get inter- disinterested and they walk away. And they'll be like, right? You're okay. not an easy mark anymore, right? So charm and charisma come walking in the door. I'm, I think I'm the only person in the world who's telling people, if you meet someone charming and charismatic, run away. Like, get away from them. This is dangerous. But are there know? some people that are charming you know? and charismatic who aren't narcissistic? Yeah, but I, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm all about throwing Just, the baby out with the bathwater. Right, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> Sure. Out. Sure. So it's a, um, because charming, charismatic people, I would say then always make sure they have humility. There you go. If you have the humility back, that's then the unicorn. You're okay. huh? That's, that's the, the unicorn. unicorn. That's yeah. when you're like, that's they're it. charming and, and they're, charism- hum- and they're, they're humble. Humble like, and they're all, they're all that. They're incredible. Mm. And they're like, listen, you know, I'm great. Can you just tell me about you a little mm. bit? Talk a little bit about you. Um, there's a that's humility. a keeper in your life. Yeah, that's a keeper. Or they, they, you can see how they're talking to other people. They're interested in other people. They're not talking down to people, maybe because, let's say, they're in a service position care. that evening, right? That they're not, and not in a smarmy, like, oh, the server's my best friend, but, like, they're not, like, right. that. It's none of that. It's really, like, oh, let me wait for the server to come along and see if I can get, or whatever. I mean, they, they're just really... They're present in a situation. They're not elitist. They're not status conscious. That that kind of humility, mm. you know, that they don't brag. You know that they're all that, and they're not going on about how all that that they are. That's cool. Mm-hmm. They're not talking about oh, let me tell you about my new this and my new that and this accomplishment and my no. They're they're just they're actually able to be with you, be present with you. It's rare because again, people who are that hyped up, they're hyped up from all sides. You have to be really resistant, authentic, self-actualized to not. To not drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. What else do we need to know about narcissists? Is there anything else you think that's important for us? I think that... Um, One in five of your friends is a narcissist. So, I mean, you, again, if we're using this number of 20%, okay, which I don't think is a bad number, to be honest with you. I think that just... Inter- I mean, it's it's a spitball number. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just sort of boiled, boiled up in this world, and it may be a urban myth. I don't know. Right, right. It's, it's hard to get good data on this, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's... it's the assessment of narcissism is one of the hardest things in the business of measurement and psychology because who's going to be honest about it, right? There's all these back doors we try to do to figure it out. But I'd say the other things, 
let's talk a little bit about what happens to a person who's been in a relationship with a narcissist. Oh, tell me, because please. I think that we've been talking, we've been so much focus on the narcissist. The question is, what if I've just been through this? Is it's there a hard. sense of PTS that you're going to yeah. face? A lot of PTS. Yeah. You'll see it's a, there's confusion, self-doubt, a sense of powerlessness, helplessness, sometimes even hopelessness, anxiety, mm. a lack of not feeling motivated anymore, mm. a sort of sense of like, I can't be bothered with life, rumination, mm. regret, yeah. something we call euphoric recall. You remember the good parts of the relationship and say, why can't we have that part again? Oh I'm like, well, no, because that part wasn't really real. It wasn't real. It was like yeah. this explosive. Mm. It, it's People have physical symptoms. They have trouble sleeping because of the rumination. Man. They... Um, they might find themselves engaging in less behaviors that are involved, like self-care behaviors, we call them, like things like um, working out or mm -hmm. eating well or even taking their medications on time. They just almost let themselves go because being in these relationships is just basically like completely being you know, overwhelmed by them. So people aren't in good shape when they're coming out of these relationships. Because they'll start beating themselves up. How could I stay in this? What was I thinking? Well, that's I'm an idiot, the you know. worst part. It's the self-blame and the self-shame. Because the self-blame is, this is my fault. I'm the one who stayed. I should have yeah. known. I'm, I'm, I'm an, and then, I, I'm a fool. And then, they, a lot of people go back. Why? Right? So here, why? Because they think, let's talk a little bit. I want my whiteboard. Yes. I got to use the whiteboard. It. So here we go. <laughs> so let's talk about the narcissistic relationship cycle. Okay? okay. Step one is something called, I'll write it down, I'll lift it up. Yes. Love bombing. Okay. Oh okay. Love bombing is that big, seductive, exciting experience that happens early in a relationship. The, we have a magical connection. Let's have a picnic on the beach. Wild and crazy sex. Oh my Texting gosh. for 12 hours straight. Good morning, princess. Good night, my darling. Uh, let's take a vacation for our third date. Oh. I want you to meet all my friends. <laughs> I'm so into you. Let's move in after a month my lease is up. Oh, Love bombing. Good. It's yeah. exciting. It's intoxicating. It's seductive. And what it does, it's a narcissist ground game. That's how they're able to get you to not notice all the red flags because oh. you're so focused on the 10 dozen roses on your doorstep that and you're or like, or the unreal sex you're having or these amazing like constantly being these text messages or being going to San Francisco on your fourth date, you know, and you're thinking like, okay, red flags, what red flags? I'm having this my fairy incredible. tale. Yeah. The minute the narcissist knows they've got you, it's when you kind of let down your guard, because some people are like, this seems too good to be true. And then they're like, okay, I love you too. Oh, I, 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 I'm, boom. That's the day something <laughs> they called got you. devaluing starts, oh okay? Now devaluing is characterized by invalidation, little digs, mm -hmm. like, um, oh gosh, you know, my ex-girlfriend could cook. Um, or, oh my you gosh. know, it's like the digs. It's, it's little, it's subtle. You're this like, how, where did this go? Like, where's, where's this? Because it's not feeling so good. And people in devaluing are confused as heck. They're thinking, how do I get back here? Now they start blaming themselves. Because it was this, now it's this, it must be me. Oh my gosh, okay. Now then I we go to- I just feel like you're to, going through my life right now, okay. We go to something called the discard. Now the discard is not always a breakup. Is this okay? is this where like they won't speak to you for th two it's weeks? It's the silent treatment. 
It's the oh, um, it's the deeper level manipulation. It could be infidelity. It could be significant oh lying. It could be um, even sometimes even the other person leaves the relationship at this point. Like the not narcissistic person leaves. It's like okay? I'm out. I'm out. I can't do this. And then comes a phase. Oh my gosh. Called hoovering. Hoovering, hoovering is when the narcissist tries to suck you back in. They don't like to lose. And in the majority of cases, once after the discard, try you're to gone. woo you back. Try to woo you back. Love bombing part two. <sighs> now, love bombing part two is never as heavy as love bombing part one. It's always love bombing light the second time around. But it'll be like it's seductive. Baby, it's a baby. What was I thinking? You're the best thing that ever happened to me. And this could be because they've cheated on you. Right. And they say things like you're so much better. And you know what? People fall for that because that's that triangulation dynamic. That idea, very edible that you're the favored child, that oh you're gosh. the favored one. And the hoovering is- I'm Choosing you. Yeah. Then in the part of the hoovering is a dynamic called, you're gonna love this one is my guess after what the way you've been future. putting it. Future faking. Okay. Future faking is, uh, no, as soon as this deadline is done, we're going to, or I'm gonna get therapy, or I know, let's just put it off for another six months, for sure I'm gonna do it then. They keep moving the goalposts. Uh. And future faking is what keeps people in the game because they're like, they're okay, promising well, six the thing you later. want. Six months We're going to have kids. We're going to have kids. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, like, I just need to get my career established. And now you're 50 and mm. you don't have kids. Right. Or we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to definitely move closer to your parents. I know we had talked about moving back there. And I know you said there's some better opportunities for you. You're, you're waiting. Or I'm going to get into therapy. I'm going to work on these anger issues. And then if you push it, God, you know what? You're really impatient. You're oh. like you are not a nice person. Can't you see what I'm going through in my mm -hmm. life, and I need time. Yep. And yeah, that's the cycle of every narcissistic relationship. Not everybody gets hoovered. Okay, sometimes the narcissist moves into something else, and then they they're done. And so people sometimes feel bad if they're not hoovered. They're like, okay. oh, what's wrong with me? It doesn't always happen. And consider yourself lucky. I always say the lucky are not hoovered because then it goes back to it. Go, the cycle goes again and again and again. So what is hoovering again? Hoovering is when they try to woo you back in, suck oh, you back in. Oh, they bring you back, they bring you yeah. back in. Mm -hmm. And they'll do that if, let's say, they're the one who left you, okay? And you finally start getting your life in order. And maybe you're dating someone else and they find then out they that's when they want you back. They just want to mess your stuff up. Or you're in a good place. They like don't you want got you a happy. job, you want, they don't want you happy. They that? don't like losing. And they don't like the idea of anyone else winning. It's all about domination. Oh my gosh. So I tell people like, Maybe you could get a good, get a good trip to San Three Francisco months, and a couple months, of flowers yeah, yeah. and get out. And then get out, yeah. Like before you get in too deep. But if that happens where they'll give you like a month or six weeks or two months of love bombing on mm -hmm. you, and then you're like, you know what? They're going to get mad. I'm not in the right place. This isn't for me. Mm -hmm. Like it's not you. It's yeah. me. I'm not ready. They're going to get mad. They're going to get mad. So either way, once you, you get in, once you go on the first weekend love bomb extravaganza, you're... You're kind of sunk. Yeah, because and they they you actually get out them, yeah they like want to get out. You, you almost get out the first yeah, weekend. you want to get out. I listen. Here's Man, an I interesting tell on narcissistic people, and it, it's, it applies more in L.A. than in a place like New York. Mm -hmm. They um, they they drive really badly. They drive dangerously. They cut people off, and they come <laughs> up on their bumpers, and they cut people off on oh the freeway. Gosh. And that's actually been uh, documented in that's research. That's a so a narcissist is a bad driver. Bad driver, dangerous driver, not bad, not like dumb driver. Fast, cut people off, Hong oh Kong, gosh. road lazy driver. Anything else we should talk about? Last thing. Yes, give it to me. Gaslighting. 
Oh, I wanted to ask that. I had a okay. Had so gaslighting's the word of our time, and if nothing yes. else, I want your, your podcast is so amazing that I want to make sure that people Bring get it. things right here. So okay? what is gaslighting? Gaslighting is the denial of a person's reality, and the taking apart of another person, so that they have completely not only given up on their reality, they've given up on themselves. So let me say that in a little, little bit more of a clear way. Gaslighting is a grooming process. It's mm. not a one-off, right? Range Rover Sport leads by example. Picture this. Assertive on-road performance meets commanding all-terrain capability. That's the third-generation Range Rover Sport, which is the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable one yet. This vehicle redefines sporting luxury, offering an instinctive drive with engaging on-road dynamics and effortless composure. Now available in sleek, new stealth pack, Carpathian gray exterior wrapped in satin protective film with black accents and black brake calipers. Inside the Range Rover Sport, advanced cabin technologies like active noise cancellation and cabin air purification offer new levels of comfort and refinement. And let's not forget about the award-winning Pivi Pro infotainment system. Enjoy a dynamic drive and total comfort with optional 22-way adjustable heated and ventilated electric memory front seats with massage function. Wow, that's like a spa day while on the go. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. So let's say a day like today, We'd set up our shoot and everything, uh -huh. and I were to say, um, uh, and we we had our time. We were going to meet the date. And I said, "You never said we we're meeting on that day." And you'd be like, "What?" And then you go back to your email and say, "No, it's right okay. there, yeah. right?" But for a minute, you might have doubted yourself. I don't have that much power to gaslight you because we don't really know each other. Mm -hmm. Maybe you trust me a little, but it would be enough to throw you off for a minute. Say, "Did I not? Did I right. not send that email right?" And you you catch yourself, okay? The reason it's called a grooming process is it happens over and over again. I never said that. I never did that. You're being too sensitive. Stop making such a big deal about that. You really aren't committed to this relationship. And they keep saying things to you that are not your reality. So what do people do when they're gaslighted initially? They defend themselves. No, 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 you did. You really did. Like you said that. Or I, 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 I'm not being too sensitive. Like. And now you're getting more and more and more worked up, right? Reactive, yeah. And then you know they'll say things to you like, "Oh, yikes! Somebody's a little bit crazy." Like, have you seen a therapist? So now, what are they doing? Not only they doubted your reality, and you're a little off balance. Then, boom, they they close it by saying there's something wrong with oh, you, man. and you start believing it. Oh wow! Many people are gaslighted. We'll start wondering, maybe I'm the narcissist. Maybe I have a mental illness. Maybe I need to get help. There's something wrong with me. And at that point, the gaslighter fully controls this person. Oh my gosh. That's the process. And so, but the, initially, the, the person who's being gaslighted has some level of trust in the gaslighter. Maybe they're in a new relationship together. Maybe this is a family member. Maybe it's a boss or a respected colleague. You gotta have a little of that from the jump. There has to be some skin in the game for someone to be able to gaslight mm -hmm. someone. Then they're groomed. Now. Let's say the first time someone gaslights you, say, uh, no, here's the email. This is the time you said we're meeting, and don't ever do that to me again. The gaslighter's probably going to move on to a new target. Ooh, they'll stop with you. Yeah, because, yeah, so they'll say, like, uh, oh, that, that is not a fertile target. I'm going to move on to another one.
right? But so early on, when a person or a person says you're being too sensitive, say, no, that's my emotion. Don't you dare play judge and jury on my emotions. Oh. I'm sad right now. I'm going to stick with that. That's a that's good one. That's what I'm talking that's about. That's a good one. Right? So, the, and, and then the gaslighter will probably lose interest. And But they'll always get their last digging. They'll say, she's just a really difficult person. So oh. they'll still have to get their parting shot and say, I, I'll wear that as a badge of honor. But you, but just look how solid you have to be in yourself and understand gaslighting. In fact, I'm doing a gaslighting seminar on Saturday. Wow. Literally three hours all gaslighting because that's how much people are confused by this. It happens at work. It happens in families. It happens in relationships. Intimate relationships. Yeah. It happens from the world at large. Like no, every everyone can every all, the playing field's equal. And then the people are like, it can't be equal because I can't catch up. So the, first, so the first time you feel like someone's gaslighting you, what should you say without them saying, because I feel like this has happened to me in a previous relationship where I'd be like, no, I never said that. And then it was like, they bring up three other things that were unrelated to try to confuse mm -hmm. and be like, well, you this, 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 this. And I'd be like, well, just focus on the one thing we're talking mm -hmm. about. And so I have to go to, mm -hmm. you know, go around all these other things and talk about mm -hmm. them where I forget what we were talking about in the first place. That's gaslighting. That all it's that exhausting. deflection, it's very exhausting. It's like, let's just focus on this right. thing. So a great example, what gaslighty thing that people will do is they will say something like um, in a relationship and, you know, I'm really uncomfortable with how much time you've been spending with that person and there's been mm -hmm. a lot of communication between the two of you. Like, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to me. It feels shady. It feels like a boundary violation. Like, this isn't okay they'll hit back with, let's go back to when you were in college and, you were, and you're like, wait a minute. And then Focus you know what I this. tell people? Have a whiteboard, say, okay, I'm gonna table that. Let's, we'll get to that, mm. let's write that down. I don't want us to not talk about it. But let's let's go back to this. the original so issue. So keep going back to the original yeah, go thing. back to the original issue. Until they Until have a discussion they, and, and resolve. Mad. They'll get mad. And they won't discuss. They won't discuss. So how do you, you find resolve? You don't find resolve. In these relationships. There's no resolve, there is no closure. And that's the radical acceptance. So you just got to accept this person isn't going to have these conversations. This person's not yeah. going to have rationality for certain things. Mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be their way or the highway. Correct. And they won't be flexible. Nope. And you've either got to live with it and accept it for a certain period of time, or you can choose to move on. Right. But and being in an argument is only going to make your life Correct. Worse. And you might say, like, that seems lonely. Yeah. And so I have worked with people who have stayed in long-term narcissistic relationships who have done everything from get very involved in like a religious community, church community, something like that, to um, do a lot of things with their friends, mm. really build friendships. Unless volunteer. the narcissist tries to control them hanging they out with do. their friends. If you have a controlling narcissist, none of this will work. You're like screwed. malignant narcissist, it won't work. But if you can build out friendships, if you can build out collegial relationships, if you're working, um, church community. Um, some people do this in online communities if they're not able to easily get out of the house and have friendships that way. Uh, develop hobbies they care deeply about, a garden, building something, whatever their groove is, music, something like that. I've known people to have lovers, you know, to say mm. like I have my body hasn't been touched in 15 years, and so they'll do that, and they'll say I, I felt a little guilty, but, but they're I, having sex with other people right. I haven't been touched, and they're like you know I know I'm not, and they said yeah. like I know I'm not very attractive, but they found everyone's got someone, everyone finds someone, and they find there's someone, and so I've heard it all. I've heard people do all kinds of things, finding their way, um, finding their way to get that support right. on the um, when they're not being uh, when when they have to stay.
Because that's where you get ungaslighted, right? Person saying, no, that's not, that's not okay, or this person's conduct isn't okay. Um, but I think where most people destroy themselves is they're like a moth to flame. They're like, I can fix this. And I'm telling you here, you can't. Stop it's trying not, to fix it. Stop trying to fix it. It's just not going to work. That was probably my challenge is mm -hmm. I wanted to fix. Mm -hmm. Which again, your athletic background, <sighs> it makes sense. I mean, there are people who have had a track record of being able to get things done. Uh -huh. They're the ones who are very vulnerable to staying in these relationships too long. I think I was, I think I was attracted to it and then, yeah. and then wanted to stay it's in attractive. it. And then I was just like, it just becomes exhausting when it's, it's a, when it's a full energy on someone else mm -hmm. as opposed to a, a combination of let's work together mm -hmm. on a shared vision towards our relationship, towards life, mm -hmm. not all the energy in one place. Correct. Correct. And it, it's, it's, it's very, it is very draining. And I think a lot of people do feel like, you know, a good relationship is me doing everything they ask or catering to them. No, being a relationship is, yeah, yeah, being unselfish all No, it's about give and take. I'm not saying transactional give and take. It's that you feel supported enough that when they say, hey, do you mind going to this, this dinner for work? And you're like, of course I'll go to that dinner for work because you care about them. And even if you both think it's ridiculous, you're kind of giggling at each other or, you know, having fun with it. Is mm -hmm. that you understand that there's a give and take and you give graciously. Yeah. And the other person gives graciously. This isn't just about, you know, grinding your teeth and, you know, being irritated you have to go, but really that gr that giving with grace. But at the, I'll be frank with you, it really comes down, though, to finding somebody who has a good personality. Mm. That it's not, it's, and I keep using this word agreeableness, right? Being agreeable. So, uh, being agreeable. And that's actually a personality style. So how do you know when someone's is, agreeable? All those things I talk about, flexibility yeah. and yeah, warmth yeah. and kindness. Just the time, and, just, it's just seeing yeah. it over time but and seeing their the words problem. for their actions. Agreeable men make less money. Agreeable men make, make less, less money. money. The research has shown that pretty clearly. Bless their hearts. And so for everyone out there who wants somebody who's got the money and the stuff, the pro probability that that person's going to be agreeable is a lot lower. So you just need to find a unicorn. Someone who's agreeable and who has money. And I have not. You've never seen that? I, very I, I know. Yes, I have. I can think of one person off the top of my head. Okay. Billionaire. Most agreeable man in the world. Yeah. Sweet, sweet. Married to a raging flexible. narcissist. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> you oh, can't. man. He's a darling. darling oh, man. man. But just gets walked all over in his relationships. Oh, my God. Beyond. Walked all over. But in his business, like, he can go and have. Killed it. He can be assertive and, yeah. No, I've, met, I've met a few agreeable um, rich folks. I, I mean, really. And we're not just rich, like, really good at what they do. They, unicorns, like they, they definitely, um, but what was interesting, you know, with some of the, a couple of these folks, the agreeable, very wealthy, at the end of their career, they got taken down. They got like people what? in the, the company, they, they were a soft target. They were the vulnerable targets. They were the vulnerable so the targets. So they they came built the, the company. And they're going to, we're going to take the equity from yeah, them or yeah, they're going to yeah, be the one to blame. Yeah, they or, did. They got a group of Because they, they weren't willing to block. fight for what they. Well, they were, no, they weren't willing to be disagreeable. They just wanted to keep the peace at all costs, or and whatever, because yeah. they were they were collaborative people, they actually thought they were bringing up the next generation. It's interesting because, man, over the last decade, I really started doing a lot of healing work when I turned thirty. Mm -hmm. I was I've talked about this many times on my show. Um, that I was sexually abused when I was five by a man that I didn't know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um, it definitely shaped a part of me yeah, for yeah. my life mm -hmm. until I started to. Uh, heal that that process mm -hmm. and really go mm -hmm. through a healing journey of you know the shame that i felt for so mm -hmm. long the mm -hmm. guilt the mm -hmm. insecurity the not feeling enough or not yep. feeling lovable all these different things and to kind of reshaping the story the narrative mm -hmm. 
and finding the uh, the value in the yeah. process and in the the pain, I guess, mm-hmm. and really finding the value mm-hmm. from 25 years of holding it in and channeling it, saying, how can I be of service at a greater mm-hmm. level? How can I use this to support other men who have yeah. gone through sexual yes. abuse? And that's Which why I wrote the book, The Masculine. Yeah, one in six men have been sexually yes. abused, one in four women, obviously. And uh, what I always tell people is that, you know, men just don't talk about it, mm-hmm. you know, and then okay. they hold it in and yes. then they... Be, become angry or reactive or rageful or you know dismissive or whatever it is they have they put a mask on mm-hmm. and um, you know that shame causes that mask at least it did for me and a lot of men that I've talked to so for for many years I I had to learn how to kind of unwind and heal that process and and it's it's been a beautiful journey of healing where I can because I used to be very competitive it was like mm-hmm. I had to win at all costs. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, well, that didn't work for me. You know, it, it got me results, but it left me feeling empty and alone and unfulfilled. And I didn't have peace because I always needed to win. Mm-hmm. Then I started transitioning and when I hit 30 to I just want to collaborate and I just want to support mm-hmm. others and work together. Mm-hmm. And it feels a lot more peaceful inside and fulfilling. What do you think the function was of trying to win? Oh, to get love and be to accepted. Get yeah, to, get to get love, love and be accepted. I was going to say maybe to be safe. Yeah, too. to get love, to be yeah. accepted, to feel like I was... Yeah, to fit in, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I had any friends growing up. Right. So it was like, well, if I win, people recognize me and they like me. Right, right. And I'm desirable. Right. Mm-hmm. If I lose, then who wants to be, you Correct. know, or around me? Yeah, and then the shame gets activated. Yeah. But it's yeah. also safety. I mean, that's why that idea, if I win, I'm safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's yeah. the ultimate yes. get for any human I'm not alone. To be safe. I'm not alone. If, I, if I'm accepted, I'm safe. If I'm mm-hmm. loved, I'm safe. And it's funny, when, you, when I moved into, and Jay Shetty talks about this a lot, mm-hmm. when I talk with Jay about this, he's like, just being in collaboration is the key. And I was like, I know that's what I feel like yeah. in the last eight yeah. years. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you're safe when you're still collaborating. Mm-hmm. You're still with people. You're helping each other right. accelerate together. Right, but there's a fear. There's a fear, and I think one of the big impediments to collaboration is the sense that others will leave you behind. Yeah. So if you Which become an island happen. unto yourself, yeah. you feel safer, right? So I think that's often a, a blockade. And then yeah, and I'm at the top of the mountain. You, everyone else is down. Yes, if they leave you, it's not even the it's not the collaboration that's the issue. It's the potential for abandonment. Interesting. Like if I'm if I'm in this business, like the billionaire friend, I'm at the top, but then. And I collaborate with others, but then they take it all and mm-hmm. they leave me behind. Mm-hmm. That's, well, they, 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 they took it all away. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was somebody, and that, that, that man, that agreeable billionaire, was collaborative from the day one of his career. So how do you stay collaborative and live in abundance and want others to win around you, but also not get taken advantage of? It's not easy. It's, with the one in five number I'm giving you, it's not easy. I mean, it is, you know, what, what is the, be- the best offense is a good defense. Mm-hmm. You better have a good defense. Yeah. Get your you know, contracts in order. Yeah, get your get everything. contracts in order. Document. Um, don't put mm-hmm. your head in the sand. I mean, a lot. the reason narcissism has proliferated the way it has is enabling. People keep giving it a free pass. Oh, come on now. You know, don't hate the player, hate the game. It's not how yes, that works, no, right? It's a player. And yeah, yeah so yeah. it's it's a player. Yeah. Yeah. No. So like it's it's a we have all this kind of culture around and in some ways people like want to see they they I, the, the the best example I can give is that people hate the idea. When we see a magician do a trick, we know they didn't do magic. We know they had something up their sleeve, but we want to believe it's magic because that makes the world seem more interesting. With narcissists, we want to believe in the magic. Want to believe they're... We want to believe that they're going to be... We want to believe that this charismatic person doesn't really... Is real. 
that they're that someone this larger than life is larger than life rather than an ordinary person who who's just has ordinary things and could fall and you know and um, we want superheroes we want mm. that's why we've always written myths as a species but the myths should remain stories not the person who's trying to scream at you from the other cubicle I'm ready <laughs> <laughs> You've got uh, some great books. Thank you. Don't You Know Who I Am? How to mm -hmm. Stay Sane <laughs> in an Era of Narcissism, Entitlement, mm -hmm. and Incivility. Mm -hmm. um, and you've also got another book called Should I Stay or Should I Go? <laughs> I'm just laughing because of all my experiences in my life. Should I Stay or Should I Go? Mm -hmm. Surviving a Relationship with a Narcissist. It just feels like uh, the best way to... Um, you know, set yourself up for success is don't commit to being in a relationship with one in the first mm -hmm. place. Take it mm -hmm. slow, learn the person, mm -hmm. learn as long as you can, mm -hmm. spot the red flags. Yeah. You talk a lot about this in these books. You talk about this on your YouTube channel, which mm -hmm. is amazing. I was Thank watching you. some of the videos, very inspiring. Um, so if you wanna make sure you learn this, I would do not get committed until you learn the person you're with. Learn the person, take it slow. And don't justify bad behavior. Mm. When you witness bad behavior, unfortunately, it's like, you know, if it walks like a duck and it quacks yeah. like a duck, you yeah. know, scorpions sting. There are no such things as scorpions that hug. And so, you know, once you see a scorpion, you just got, it's going to sting you. So yeah. walk the other way. And, and once it stings you once, don't pick it up again. How else can we be supportive of you right now besides checking out your website, YouTube, yeah. social media, the books? Yeah, you do I workshops mean, now. I do workshops. If you go to my Instagram, follow me on Instagram. Yes. We often put, you know, we put the uh, let people know what's coming up. Then we're going to have a healing program and recovery program for people who've been through narcissistic uh -huh. relationships. That's coming up next year. Um, yeah, just follow me on YouTube. We're always making our announcements there. Every yes. day we have a new video coming out, so you will be 365 days wiser if you wow. just keep watching. Yeah, Doctor mm -hmm. Romani everywhere, right? Yeah, Doctor Romani every everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Mm -hmm. There we go. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. Um, Couple final questions. This one is called the three truths. Mm -hmm. That's what I ask everyone at the mm -hmm. end of our interviews. So imagine a hypothetical scenario. It's your last day on earth many years away. Mm -hmm. You get to live as long as you want, but it's the last day. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, all the content you've ever created has to go with you mm -hmm. or go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But it's not here. We don't have access to any of your information anymore. Mm -hmm. the books, the videos, everything's gone. But you get to leave behind three things you know to be true from all your life lessons and experiences. Mm -hmm. And this is all we would have. Mm -hmm from your information. Mm -hmm. What would you say would be those three lessons or three truths? Mm -hmm. If someone else is cruel to you, it's not your fault. You came into this world lovable and will always be lovable. Mm. Trust and honor your truth and don't let anyone ever take it away from you. Mm. Those are beautiful. Mm -hmm. Those are beautiful. Mm -hmm. uh, before I ask the final question, Dr. Romani, I wanna acknowledge you for your commitment to this information, mm -hmm. to this message. I feel like there's a lot of people, including myself, going have gone through a lot of this to, who've always struggled feeling like they're wrong mm -hmm. and they're mm -hmm. bad mm -hmm. and they're not mm -hmm. good enough mm -hmm. in these types of relationships. Mm -hmm. And so for you to commit your adult life to this, mm -hmm. to researching, mm -hmm. studying, teaching mm -hmm. uh, in the university and an academic level and now you know, to the, the masses mm -hmm. with your information, your books, your content, I really acknowledge you Thank for you. the gift and also the pain that you went through in your journey mm -hmm. to learn these things and experience it so you can help educate mm -hmm. and teach others to hopefully heal the relationships they've been through, make sure they don't get in those relationships and have a much more peaceful life. Well, I appreciate so, that. Pain yeah. is a hell of a mentor. 
Absolutely, it is, and it's going to keep coming until mm -hmm. we're, until we learn the lesson. Right. It's going right. to keep coming. Mm -hmm. My final question is: What's your definition of greatness? Mm, my definition of greatness is humility, self awareness, compassion, and empathy. There you go, Dr. Romney. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and it inspired you on your journey towards greatness. Make sure to check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's show with all the important links. And also make sure to share this with a friend and subscribe over on Apple Podcasts as well. I really love hearing feedback from you guys. So share a review over on Apple and let me know what part of this episode resonated with you the most. And if no one's told you lately, I want to remind you that you are loved, you are worthy, and you matter. And now it's time to go out there and do something great. Mm -hmm.